Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Amen, amen. You know, I appreciate the pastors uh, taking the time. Well, they didn't have a choice. <laughs> to, to come up with that, number one, I don't want to know what they do. Uh, no, but it's always good to hear what other people do. And hopefully it encourages you or inspires you to really start out creating a, a, a time with the Lord on a daily basis. In fact, it's January. So whatever the past is, whatever, however many attempts you've had every January, we're believing this one's going to stick. Amen. We're creating some disciplines in our life to help us be more of a daily devotional person, connecting with God through prayer, through time in His Word, through worship. And so uh, that's why we start the year off with 21 days of prayer and fasting, trying to help create a habit in you and also positioning ourselves in this church for the next uh, year, 2017. We believe in the principle of the first, amen. What you do, uh, give Him the first, it can redeem or release the power of God into the rest. And so then we're taking time in the series, getting into the Word of God, uh, helping you understand how vital and important it is to have time in His Word uh, really every day, how you build a life on what He said, how do you understand what He said, how you trust what He said, and today we're going to talk about how do you hold on to what He said. So I just want to encourage you guys in that, appreciate those guys sharing those things uh, that they do. We'll see another one next week as we get ready uh, to just really full speed ahead into this year. We're not going to ease into it, we're not going to back into it, we're heading it heading head on, face forward into all the great things that God has. Amen? All right. Great to see you guys out this morning. couple of things. Just a reminder on the men's breakfast, guys. First one of the year, start the year off with a men's breakfast. A lot of new faces, a lot of new guys. Great way to meet other guys. Come on out. I'm really um, excited. Just God's been stirring something in my heart to share with all the men. So come on out, guys. Uh, bring somebody with you. What a great way to break the ice into church. Get your neighbor, get your coworker. Uh, get them to come on out for a men's breakfast. It's a great breakfast, great time in the Word. So I want to encourage you guys to make plans to be there Saturday morning. Uh, we're really going to have a great time in the Word and just time of fellowship. I also want to let you guys know that uh, we have some guests here. I want to take a moment just to introduce them. They were a part of Tree of Life for many years. Uh, they were serving on staff as from anywhere from children's pastors to single pastors to executive pastors and just uh, great people, great friends. So I want you to show some love to our friends after nine years of serving here at Tree of Life. They're in North Carolina. They have a great church that they started really growing. So Mark and Dee McKinney, would you stand up? We want to honor you for all your service here over the years. Thank you. What a blessing. Amen. <clears throat> we continue to pray blessings on your church there in North Carolina as you're changing the world. Um, they were, they were a, a wonderful part of the team. I remember them uh, so vividly, relationally, uh, to some regard, because I think I was just in the nursery when you guys were here. I think I was just a little kid. That was a while ago, but hey, praise the Lord, you're back. We're glad to see you guys. Um, <laughs> thankful for what they've sown and invested into us. I uh, want to let you guys know that we're going to take a moment to pray because uh, Friday was a, a historical event here in our nation. And uh, we set in our 45th president of the United States. And the Bible says that we're to pray. Amen. And so it doesn't matter how you voted. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. All that settled. You had your voice. All that settled. Now we support uh, the leader. Um, we're going to believe God's going to move and work uh, in his heart and his life. I believe it comes through prayer, not necessarily through protesting and politics. 
And so not that I want to make a political statement this morning, but I, I believe that as much as we're obligated to vote and have our voice in that way, we're obligated as Christians and Americans to pray. And so we've been sending the word of God on the importance and power and validity of the word of God. And uh, God's very clear in the scripture that we are to pray for those in authority over us. And so we're going to be obedient to the word. In fact, in 1 Timothy 2, it says, I urge you then, first of all, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. And again, I just want to say, according to the word of God, our path to peaceful and quiet lives in this country is through prayer, not through some of the other things that we see happening. In fact, we need to come together uh, as a country. So we're going to do our part in prayer. And then it says, this is good and pleases God our Savior. And you can never go wrong doing things that are good and pleasing to God. Amen. And so we're going to take a moment. If you would stand with me this morning, uh, we're going to pray for uh, our president. Uh, again, we need to do what the word says to do and move forward. We're going to pray for uh, just that divisiveness that's in our nation to kind of subside and uh, unity come. Amen. And so I believe that prayer works. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that in Jesus' name we can come together according to your word and lift up our leader. Lord, at this point, it doesn't matter what our vote was. It doesn't matter, Father God, our stance or, uh, on uh, what we think or with the person in the office. Lord, right now, it matters that we follow the scripture and the word of God and lift up our leadership. Lord, I know this, that no matter where we stand on the issues, we all need our president to do well. Uh, we don't need him to fail, Father God. We need him to do well for the sake of our country. And so we lift him up and we pray that, Father, the heart of the leader is in your hands, as your scripture says, Father God, that the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. And so we pray that, Father. We ask you to guide him, guide the head of this nation in the way you would have him to go, not following other plans or agendas, Father God, but let him be led of you. Father, we pray that you would surround our president with wise counsel, men and women of integrity who place your agenda and the good of this nation above their own and whose motives are for that which is right. I pray, Father God, we pray, Father God, that you would give our leader discernment, understanding, and knowledge so that our nation may know stability and internally and abroad. And we give thanks, Father God, for the president according to your word, and we thank you for working in and through his leadership so that we might lead peaceable and godly lives as your word says. Father, heal our nation. Bring the, the things that has divided us, Father God. We understand people have very, are very passionate passionate about their views, but Father, for the greater good, bring us together. Unite us, Father God, Lord, and unite this great country so we can do and fulfill all the things that you have for us too. And we are so thankful, Father God, for your goodness and faithfulness as we give you glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, everybody. Thanks for praying. You can be seated. Amen, amen. Important. Very, very important for all of us. Amen. Listen, okay, get your Bibles out this morning. We're going to jump right in part four of our series um, called He Said. We're just uh, looking into the Bible. We're looking to build a life on what he said. We're looking to understand what he said. We're looking to trust. How can you trust what he said? Uh, part of this comes from just a time I remember spending uh, years and years and years ago in Guatemala and uh, going to a language school, Spanish school, and then other students were there and one individual was talking to me about life and I just started sharing some things out of the Bible and I said, well, you know, the Bible said, and they looked at me and said, you know, I don't really believe in God. Why would I believe? in the Bible. And I was a little shocked by that. I said, because God said, believe in the Bible, you know, so, 
I just, I wouldn't really, and from that moment on, I've really had this interest in studying these things. So I've listened to people that talk along these lines. I, I research it. I've done research for you. I've, I want to bring you some things that I've learned and some things that I've heard. And I hope that it inspires you and encourages you to learn to love the word. Amen. We need to learn it, love it, and live it. And so it's so important. God says this in John 1, 1. Here's what he says about himself and the word. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. God calls himself the word. I don't know how you can place any greater importance on the Bible than God himself calls himself the word. And so it's important for us. We, we talk about a relationship with God, connecting with God. And then we talk about, you know, prayer and worship and things like that. And it seems like kind of down on the list is Bible reading or time in the word. And really we need to elevate that to one of the top priorities because the word is God himself. That's how we get to know him better, understand him better feed our faith and learn about life and what he has. So here's where we're starting today. We ended up here last week, John 8, 31, 32. Here's our launching pad today for today's message. He said this, if you hold, say hold. If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Saying people thought they were his disciples and saying they're disciples, but he's like, well, you're not really my disciples if you're just listening and going living your own life your own way. He says, really, you're my disciples if you're doing what I'm talking about, if you're holding on to the truth. In other words, he's saying, you're not really my disciples if you're just kind of attending every once in a while. You're not really disciples if you're just kind of giving here and there every so often to good cause. You're not really, you know what he's saying? He says, my disciples, people who follow after me, who are Christ followers, are people that hold on to what I teach, meaning it becomes a part of who they are. That they love it, they live it, and they, they learned it. And so it's important to understand. That's what he's talking about. Hold on to my teaching. And he says, you're really my disciples. Then here's the promise, the condition we just read, that you have to hold on to the teaching. Then the promise is this, that you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And we celebrate that, and that's a great refrigerator scripture, but you realize it only happens when you hold on to the truth. You can quote that all you want. That can be part of your prayer time, but unless you're fulfilling the condition to the promise, it does not come alive in your life. And understand, holding on to the truth means that you're applying it to life. In fact, the word know, that you shall know the truth, the Greek word, when you study out in the Greek, it means more than just a head knowledge. It means that you have it inside of you. I know or I understand or that's a part of who I am. It's not just information. It's getting what's in your head to your heart that he's talking about here. When you get what's in your head to your heart, then you'll apply it to areas and you'll find freedom in your marriage, freedom in your parenting, freedom in your finances, freedom in your mind, freedom in your relationships. You'll find freedom at your job. Come on, do I need to keep going? You, you get the point, right? It's internalizing, holding on to, letting it be a part of who you are, the teachings, the word, the truth that brings freedom in the areas of your life. And so it's extremely important for us to start our year out understanding the word of God and learning how to hold on to the teachings. Because here's reality, we're moving on in February to another series. We're gonna do a relational series because I think there's two things that we need to hold on to the most. That's God, number one. And number two is the important relationships in our life. And so it's interesting to me the things that are the most good for us, we find hard to hold on to, and the things that are the worst for us, it's easy to hold on to those, right? So we're gonna find out, again, relationally then, in next month, we're moving, we're moving on to a new series, but we're holding on to the truth of God's word, amen? We're not just leaving this information behind, it's becoming a part of who we are, and so if you want change, if you want freedom, you have to get it from your head to your heart, you have to hold on to it. 
and make it a part of you. Uh, it, it just, it, you know, it's important for us to understand the unconditional love of God. And I just as a real quick story, I heard a, a pastor talk about this. He was, had a lady come up to him and talking about the importance of holding on to God. And, and she came up to him and said, you know, I realize there's, you know, other than God who loves me unconditionally, there's only one other thing that loves me unconditionally in my life, and that's my dog. <laughs> and I thought about that. I'm sad. I lost my dog of 13 years, and he was always happy to see me. And so the pastor responded, you know, I, that's such a true statement, that your pet and God love you unconditionally. And he, and he said this. He said, you want to put this to the test, this theory to the test? He said, take your spouse and take your dog and lock him in the trunk of your car and come back in an hour and see who's happy to see you. <laughs> don't do that, by the way. Just don't do it. Just, I'm saying just don't do that. All right, I just thought that was funny. Okay, so here we go. It really has nothing to do with the message. Okay, uh, so <laughs> let me give you some things that'll help you hold on to it. And I've got some, obviously, some uh, notes for I got a lot of information I want to share with you today. And so I just want to make a plug again for our Tree of Life app and live notes. Live notes are awesome. And so I won't uh, get to share everything I want to this morning. I have a lot of info. So you can go on the live oats, live oats, live notes, and follow along that way. In fact, there's things in the live notes that I put there that I won't cover today because of time's sake. And so if you want to get those, which you'll need to, and I encourage you to do that, you download that app, okay? So we're going to start with number one. So how do we hold on to God's word? Four things to help you hold on to God's word. Number one, make it the foundation of your life. And it has to be the foundation of your life. In fact, if this one, and you're not working on this one, you can forget the next three I'm going to talk about. But listen, the foundation of anything is the most important thing, right? We know that. I'm not a construction guy. I'm not a construction guy. But I know the foundation of my home is the most important thing. I know the quality of the structure is dependent upon the quality of the foundation. And I live in a place in, in, the, in town that moves around a lot. So I know if that foundation's not done right, at some point in time, I'm going to see some cracks. I mean, you guys, don't raise your hand. How many have seen some cracks in your life right now? You should go back and check the foundation, honestly. In fact, it really came uh, um, real to me when we had a, a patio put on the back of our house, it stretched the length of our house. And so they came out and they took time to dig down. They put rebar on. They attached it to the foundation of our home. They did a great job. Did all the preparation. Took a lot more work than I anticipated. And after they poured the concrete, they told me that for the next several days, I need to come out and water it. And I'm like, I water my grass, not my cement or concrete. And they're talking about how important it is to take the time and develop that and let it cure right because that's when it's going to be strongest. We have to take the time to make the word of God a foundation of our life. And I know that we live busy lives, but it is so important. If you, want, if you don't want cracks in your structure later in life, you need to work on the foundation. And so you cannot get away from this one. You need to take time making the word the foundation of your life. And so it's all dependent upon how strong your foundation. So the quality of your life, so let's say it this way. The quality of your marriage, the quality of your parenting, the quality of your finances, the quality of your relationships is directly uh, a result of how strong your foundation is or the quality of your foundation. In fact, Jesus says it this way. Here's the promise he gives in Matthew 7, 24. Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is a wise man who built his house on the rock. In other words, is a wise man who built his life on the sure foundation of the word. He's not talking about just coming to church and wanting things to change. He's talking about literally building your life on the word of God, applying it to your life. The Bible calls the Bible a rock or a solid foundation. And so we ha it has to be a part of our everyday life. It goes on to say, if you study this out, there's going to be storms. There's going to be rain. There's going to be wind like we see today beating against your house. Guess what? Welcome to planet Earth. <laughs> You're not going to be able to stop the storms. That's just the long and short of it. 
but you can, you can't control the storms, but you can control your foundation and we can help you build that. I'd like to say we can stop that for you, but it is an impossibility, but we can help you build a strong foundation and getting that in your life. And so the, the problem is there's many other things that we tend to build our life on. There's a lot of temptations out there that want us to build um, our foundation based on those things. Let's take a look at some wrong things to build a life on. Number one, popular culture. Popular culture. We cannot build the foundation of our life on popular culture. Just because everyone's doing it doesn't mean you should do it. Just because the world's doing it doesn't mean we should do it. It's okay now. It's accepted now. That was 2,000 years ago, 2,600 years ago. It doesn't change the truth of God's word. Listen, the popular will come and go, but the truth never changes. The popular will come and go, we see that, but the truth never changes. And we have to decide how much of popular culture are we gonna listen to? Are we gonna allow in? What are you watching? What are you listening to? Who are you listening to? What tweets are you reading? (laughs) What Facebook are you reading? Right? Because that's gonna get down inside of you, and if you're not careful, you're gonna build on the wrong foundation. Be careful, it's easy to let that stuff inside you. Exodus 23, two says this, do not follow the crowd in doing wrong. Just because everyone's doing it doesn't make it right. The things that we see, quote unquote, everyone doing, and the things we see change today, even by legislation, doesn't make it right. We want a foundation that lasts. The word of God is the foundation that lasts. Can I say this? It's lasted the test of time up until this point, and it will continue to. There's no reason why it won't. We cannot build a life on the foundation of tradition. Tradition, we cannot build a life on the foundation of tradition. Tradition is not bad, but a lot of people don't have their life built on truth, but on tradition. Traditions aren't bad unless it's at the expense of truth. And some people wanna hang on to the way they do something more than the thing itself. I'll talk about that in a second. Mark 7, 8 says this, you have You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. Now understand something, the best way for me to illustrate this is is this way, from a church perspective. Your life would be the same. Listen, as a church, we have to do things differently now than we did 35 years ago than we started to do what we're supposed to do, reach the lost. I mean, that's why we dress different now. That's why we do different songs. That's why we have a different building. That's why we have messages that are different. See, you can't get stuck in 35 years ago tradition or doing the things we've always done them that way. We have to change to fulfill our mission, seek and save the lost. Uh, if the way they did church 50 years ago, you can't do church today. The way they did it 30 years ago, you can't. 20 years ago, you can't. 10 years ago, you can't. Five years ago, you can't. Last year, you can't. So sometimes we're more focused on the tradition than the thing. (laughs) And so we have to learn, we cannot build a foundation, you cannot build a church on the traditions of the past. And can I say it this way since I'm already out there? (laughs) Let me say it this way since since I'm already out there. We've been building on things that aren't even in the Bible. (laughs) Most of the traditions of man that people have pushed back on aren't even in the scripture. And so let's let's keep focused on what God has and not build on tradition. Let's not build on reason reason, let me think about it first, let me give my opinion, we see that a lot today. Reason means I thought about it and here's what seems right to me. Listen, some people redefine things despite what the Bible says. Let me give you a couple examples. Listen, people because of reason, what seems right today, they redefine marriage. You can't redefine marriage. Man didn't create marriage, how can man redefine marriage? You can't redefine gender, you can't. 
I, I love people, but you, you can't redefine what God has established. And so you can't redefine forgiveness, you can't redefine serving, you can't redefine giving, you, you can't do that. But you know why? It's because the Bible is not unclear on those subjects and the Bible is not silent on those subjects. The Bible's very clear and has a lot to say. And so we can't, because of reason, our popular thought even, we, we can't do that. Proverbs 16, 25 says this, there is a way that appears to be right, but in the end leads to death. If it does not line up with the word of God and it just seems right, it'll lead you down the wrong path. So if you have a conflict about what God's word says and about what seems right to you, let me say this, don't do it, go with God. It's always better to go with God. It's always better to go with God. He is smarter, he is bigger, his ways are higher than our ways, his thoughts are greater than our thoughts. Let me give you the last one. Don't build your foundation on this, and people do it all the time, and this is probably the most crazy to do it on, feelings. You can't let feelings lead your life. You can't, thanks mom, you can't. If it feels good, do it, the thought. You can't do that, you know, the people live that, their life that way. Uh, and, and let me be very clear here, your feelings will lie to you and deceive you. And you know, honestly, you didn't even need me to make that statement because you know, because you've experienced it, because our feelings have always, our feelings have let us down those paths and those places based on feeling and emotion. Feelings cannot be trusted. They cannot be a guide for your life. Uh, you, you know, following feelings instead of God's word will always end up badly. Um, don't abandon truth for the sake of your feelings. Judges 21, 25, message paraphrase. At the time, this is the last book in Judges, this is, I'm sorry, this is the last chapter in Judges, the last verse. At that time, there was no king in Israel. People did whatever they felt like doing. They just did what felt good. Understand, Judges is a very chaotic book. Judges is a very, there's a lot of bad things happen book. Why do you think they call it judges, right? There's a lot of bad things going on. We gotta have to start dealing with all this. And why? It explains it right there. Because people did whatever they felt like doing. Oh, wouldn't this country just be great if we can all just do whatever we wanna do, whatever we feel like doing? Absolutely not, it'd be chaos. It would be chaos. So that's why we have the foundation of God's word, amen? The foundation of God's word to build our life on. Build a foundation on God's word. Listen, you have to decide to believe it and follow it even if you don't understand it. You have to make that decision that I'm gonna believe it and follow it even if I don't understand it because you have to know God's ways are bigger and better and higher and because he's bigger, better and higher, there will be things you don't understand. And if everything in the book could fit into your brain, then God is the size of you. God's the size of me, and that I don't wanna serve a God the size of me. I like serving a God that knows a whole lot more than I do. I like serving a God that's way bigger than I can. I like serving a God that I don't even understand, but just a little bit, because I, I can trust that God. I like that. And then you also have to decide, you're gonna have to do what God said to do, even if you don't like it. Why? Because everything in this book is for your good because God is good and God loves you. God is not gonna lead you down a path of destruction. God's not gonna leave you anything that's gonna hurt you. You don't have to understand it. You know the character and nature of God and you don't have to like it. See, our kids are the same way. I tell my kids to do things. They're not gonna understand some things at 16 and 17 and I'm 49. They're not gonna understand some things but I need them to do it because sometimes understanding comes on the other side of obedience. You're not gonna understand, in fact, there's things in the Bible you will never understand until you obey it. And then you'll go, oh, I get it now. You couldn't have understood it because you're not God. 
Sometimes understanding comes on the other side of obedience. And it's the same thing we tell our kids. It's not any different. I know you're going to understand this right now, honey, but you just need to trust me. You need to do this. I would never do anything to hurt you. I would never do anything to harm you. I'm your dad. You know me. And you do it, and then, oh, I get it now, dad. I get it. Thank you. And so we have to understand that. We build our life on the foundation of God's word. We hold on to the things of God. Uh, Number two, let's keep going. How to hold on to God's word. Number two, make it the first part of your daily life. I'm just going to say, I know some people aren't morning people. I think it's important. I think it's good if you can apply this at another time. But I think it's important to start a habit. Just make a habit of the first part of the day. I think it's simple to make it that way. I see it. I know we see in the scripture, uh, Matthew 6, 33, seek first the kingdom of God. I think it sets your day up for good. Um, all these things will be added to you. All what things, if you read the previous verses, it talks about things that we worry about, things that we're concerned about, things that we need. And it says when you focus on God, then he focuses on those things in your life. So I, I want to be very simplistic. I want to get you some things, that, tools that you can operate in. I want you to walk away with something you can take away from. So I want to say this, go after God first. Go after God first. I've heard somebody teach this one time, and I endeavored to do this in my life, and so let me give this to you. This may work for you, this may not work for you, but I want you to walk out with things that you can apply tomorrow. Call it the, they called it the first, first and 15. First and 15, so let's, let's, let's walk through this. Um, and let me see it this way. I know that some people think you don't have 15 minutes to give God during the day. Can I say you can't afford not to give him 15? Get up a little earlier if you have to. So if you'll follow this plan, it will help you, and then maybe you'll find some other way. But I'd say the first five minutes, get up and give him five minutes in the Word. Spend five minutes in the Word. Do a five-minute reading. Get a scripture, get something that you can read in five minutes. I know there's all kinds of devotionals, all kinds of things out there. You can read something for five minutes. Bible, read something Bible. I know we have like, I like that daily walk Bible, right? Read through the Bible. It's, a, it's an Old Testament, New Testament, Psalm and Proverb. Can I say this? If you don't have time in the morning for Old Testament, New Testament, or even a Psalm, then read a Proverb. I grew up, my mom, my mom telling me, read a Proverb a day. There's 31 Proverbs, there's 30, however the days, work it out. Can I say, just read one sentence? Because it's better to get at least one sentence of God's word in you than nothing. So take, some, take five minutes and get into the word. There's all kinds of things out there that can help you do that, all kinds of ways. In fact, here's the result of that. Why do, why do I want to do that? Psalms 119, 105 says this, because your word is a lamp for my feet and a light into my path. If you'll give him five minutes in the word in the morning, he will illuminate your day. He will light the path for you. What am I going to do today, God? What decisions am I going to make? I'm telling you, if you'll start and give him five minutes in that day, in the word, it will illuminate your day. Uh, let me say this before I move on to the next part of that, next five minutes. Probably one of the things that we give time to in the morning is social media. You're probably checking your emails. You're probably checking your Pinterest, your Facebook. Can I tell you, let's get God's media first. So maybe we eliminate some of that and do that later in the day. Okay, number, the second part of that, the second five minutes, spend five minutes in worship. Just five minutes in worship. In fact, we're going to talk a little bit about this next week. Five minutes in worship. But you might say, well, pastor, I can't really sing. I, I can't either. But I'm not talking about you singing. I'm talking about you maybe just putting a worship song on. Most of the songs that we sang today are five minutes. And songs are typically four to six minutes. I'm saying just get up and get on your phone and get some songs, get your playlist, and play one song. Read the word for five minutes, then play one song and just sit there. Why? Because you know what? It has the power to soothe the savage beast in you, you know? <laughs> you remember in the scripture, we don't have time to teach on it, but when David would be called before Saul because Saul was so tormented, and just a little bit of him playing, it just calmed him down. 
You need to begin the day. You have so many things the day's gonna hold for you and you may be restless sleep the night before. Five minutes of worship's really gonna calm the savage beast in you. It's gonna settle you down. You can spend five minutes listening to one song in the morning. Read for five minutes. Listen to a song for five minutes. Uh, worship is powerful. Uh, Psalms 34.1 says this, I will extol the Lord at all times, all times. His praise will always be on my lips. And then last five minutes, five minutes in prayer. Five minutes in prayer. First and 15, five minutes in prayer. For some of you, this may seem like a stretch. Five minutes is an eternity when I pray. Some of you, it's no problem. I understand that, but let me help you. Let me give you a tip on how to make that work. Here's how to pray. Philippians 4, 6 through 5, we find it in the scripture. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Say thanksgiving. With thanksgiving, present your request. Say requests to God. Now hold on for a second there. I just told you how to spend five minutes in prayer. First of all, you thank him for just being on the planet. I thank you that I woke up alive today, God. I thank you that I woke up breathing today. I thank you I have another day here with family and friends. And by the way, Lord, I thank you for saving me. I know that whenever my last day comes, I'm going to heaven. I thank you that you forgave me of all those sins that I could never get rid of myself. I thank you that you love me enough to send Jesus for me. I thank you, Father God, for the family that I have. I know we're not perfect, we're working on it, but I thank you for the family that I have. I, you know what, sometimes there are even faith prayers. Right? I thank you, Father God, for the job I'm going to. I hate this job, but I thank you that I have a job. I thank you, Lord, that there's people that don't have a job. I thank you that I have a job. I thank you that I just left the house and have a roof over my head and I'm driving in a car. I thank you. I thank you for a great church. I thank you for a great pastor. Thank you. You're welcome. No, I'm just kidding. I thank you. That's a blessing. That really blessed me. It's a blessing to me. Thank you. I'm gonna thank God about that tomorrow morning in my first and 15. I thank you, God. Come on. Now, we can all probably, and if you can't spend five minutes doing that, then he says, make your request. I thank you, God, but Lord, I'm just not feeling well today. So I thank you, Father God, for healing my body. I need healing in my body. Lord, I got a meeting today, and I need wisdom in Jesus' name. Will you give me wisdom? Lord, my family, we're just barely making it financially. We need the blessing of God. We want to be a blessing. Lord, I just need this in my life. My kids, Father God, today, help me connect better with my wife. I was a little mean. Help me, Father, find a way to, to, to apologize for that. So spend time thinking, spend time real quick. Come on, you're going to chew up five minutes in no time. And you probably spend up way more time in that doing that. But what, what, is he, what, what happens is helping you hold on to the word of God. You create something that helps you hold on to the word. Let's finish this. Verse seven. Let me finish this. And here's the result. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. That's great news. First and 15 will help you hold on to the word of God. Number three, what's gonna help me hold on to the word of God? Make it grow deeper in your life. Make it grow deeper. It just isn't gonna happen. Make it grow deeper. We want you to come and grow here, but you have to make it happen. You have to come. You have to be here. You have to be around it. You control how much of God is in you. You control how much of God's word is in you. You control how much of God's word you listen to. You control how much of God's word you apply and live out. You control, so make it grow deeper in your life. Colossians 3, 16 says this. Let the message of Christ, that first word, let. You have to let, you can keep it out or you can let it in. You let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. You need the message of Christ to dwell in you richly. You have to let God's word dwell in you richly. The more you hear it, the more you read it, the more you worship, the more you pray, the more you serve, 
the more the word gets deep inside of you. Let me, let me give you a couple ways to help you with that. How do you let it in you more and more deeper and deeper? Let me give you a couple tips. Number one, talking about Bible, Bible reading. Get a translation you like. I have people ask me this all the time, what's the best Bible translation? The one you're gonna read. <laughs> There's a lot of them out there. And so I told you about going to uh, live notes and some things that I wasn't gonna have time to talk about. This part is on the live notes. So you can go there and find it. I don't have time to talk about different Bible translations and, and there's three types there. There's, there's a formal, functional, and a paraphrase and the different examples. I have all that on there. But can I tell you, for the longest time, my dad was a King James Version guy. Anybody, my dad, he taught from King's Version. He talked King's Version, not King James Version. My dad taught, for growing up as a kid, it was until I was a teenager that I, when I was a teenager, I realized God wasn't from England. I thought I was growing up, it was all I heard. Now as a grown man, I know God's from Texas. <laughs> but I didn't, that time, I, didn't, I was from England. God bless Texas. And get one you're gonna read. This is just confusing, I don't understand it. Guess what, that's why they made more translations. And I offer some suggestions over there and, and the reasons why I think those, that those are good or, or kind of help maybe give you a little direction anyways. But we all need to, if, if we're not gonna read it, what's it good, good's it gonna do for you? So you can carry it around and say you got this Bible and stuff? And, 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 I, and I think it's important to say this too, and I said this last week, get a paper Bible. Can I say that? I love my electronics. I have my electronics. I got it on my phone. I got it on my iPad. I didn't bring a paper Bible with me. I don't typically. I, I use them at home. They're on my desk. I got different translations. I love to read. One I read for a devotional. One I read to study. But get you a paper Bible. We talked about studies show that you remember more. You retain more from a paper Bible than an electronic one. And also an electronic Bible because you have so many more distractions. Can I tell you, when I'm on my electronic Bible, I got the ESPN app popping alerts. I got, I got Texas Longhorn recruiting popping up right now on my, <laughs> it just is so many other things that distract you on there. So I just wanna suggest that everyone get a paper Bible. You can go and find some different kind of things. And so let me give you the second tip there that will help you make it grow deeper and deeper in you and dwell richly in you. Get a study Bible. Now I'm talking about two different paper Bibles. You can save up and do that, get a study Bible. I offer some suggestions there too. But listen, you need to not just read the Bible. When you find something you don't understand or you wanna get it deeper inside of you, then you move over and you get your study Bible out which has commentaries. It talks about the origins of words. It talks about the context of the passage of scripture which helps the Bible come alive even in a deeper way. I love my New Living Translations. When I read for a devotional, I, I teach and study out of the NIV, but man, I love my study Bible. I have a Thompson Chain Reference Bible that has commentaries and it, and it references other passages of scripture in the Bible, if there's something I want to dig deeper in or know, everybody needs to get a study Bible and start finding times and moments because the Holy Spirit's going to prompt you on something and you're going to need to go and dig a little deeper. So get a study Bible. And this would encourage you in that. And then lastly, but certainly not least in all that, you want the word of God to dwell in you richly, get in a group. Because not only do you need to read it and hear it, you need to talk about it. You need to talk about it with other people. And we're kicking off groups here soon, and you can go check all that out, and you'll hear more about that. But listen, we have not only, do we, not only do we have life groups, we have serving groups. Come on, there's all kinds of serving groups. Some people are like, I don't know if there's a life group that has the thing I want. Well, get in a serving group then. Everybody needs to serve, and that's your group of people to do life with. And then we have Married for Life that have groups. And then we have Ladies Bible Study starting that they, they congregate in groups in there. We have Men's Breakfast that you'll get to connect and form groups with people. Listen, I'm telling you, there's all kinds of ways get in a group, why? Because that's where you start doing life together and you start talking about the Bible's impact on your life. Or I read this, or I didn't do this, but I need this, and oh, you should look at this, and you should, iron sharpens iron moments too. So you want the word to come alive in your heart and your life, then you need to have a place that you talk about it with other people and walk it out. How do you hold on to God's word? Let me give you the last one. Let me give you the last one. Make it a weapon. 
for the challenges of life. That's kind of a different one. I know it's like, wow, that's kind of militant. <laughs> that's okay. You know what? The Bible's a weapon. Can I tell you? It needs to be militant because we're in a war. You're in a war. I'm in a, I'm in a war for my own well-being. I'm in a war for my marriage. I'm in a war for my family. I'm in a war for, uh, we're in a war and we need to understand the Bible is not some mamby-pamby kumbaya thing we'll come and get warm, fuzzy feelings with. It's something that you take to the enemy. You take to your challenges in life. You take and you go on the offensive with. That's how God designed it. In fact, let's take a look at that really quick. This is not some passive thing that we're just doing some little Bible reading. Ephesians 6, 13 says this, therefore put on the full armor of God so that when, when the day of evil comes, not if, because guess what, planet earth, when the day of evil comes, you'll be able to stand. Now, when you read this passage of scripture, most all of it is about putting on armor, which is great, you need to read that. But you put on armor to defend yourself, but it talks about one other thing in there. There's one offensive weapon in there, and verse 17 says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Your offensive weapon is the word of God. You need to go on the offensive against the enemy and use it as a weapon, and that means you gotta know it. That means you gotta get it on the inside of you. That means you have to have a relationship with your Bible. Guess what? Jesus used it that way. Matthew 4, 3 and 4, Jesus went out in the wilderness, he was tempted by the devil, and all three times he said, devil, it is written, and he quoted the scripture, and he used it as an offensive weapon against the enemy. I heard a pastor say this one time in relation to all that. You know, the, the, the enemy, the, the picture we'd give, you, you get the full armor of God to stand against the fiery darts of the enemy. The picture would be this arrow, flaming arrow, right, that you light. And can I just say, an arrow, a flaming arrow, is a weapon that you use at distance. And can I tell you, the devil is such a coward, he doesn't want to do hand-to-hand combat with you if you're using the sword correctly. So the enemy's going to lay back and just lob flaming arrows at you all day long. Why? Because he's a coward? But do you realize that the weapon you got was not one to stay back and lob arrows at the enemy? It was one you had to get in his face. It was one you had to get up close and personal. Oh, you got the sword. You can't stay back there and throw it at him. You got to get with him. So you're going to have to be bold enough to get this weapon, which is the word of God, and get in the devil's face and say, oh, no, devil, not here. Oh, no, not in my family. Oh, no, not in my body. First Peter 2.24 says, by his stripes, I'm healed. None of my finances, all my needs are met according to his riches and glory, Philippians 4.19. I forget not all his benefits who forgives all my, de- my uh, iniquities and heals all my diseases. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in this world. I'm more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. I can do all things. With God, nothing is impossible. That sounds a little crazy, Pastor, but you know what? I'm winning. Maybe a little crazy, but my weapon wins. And can I just say this, and this is going to sound really silly, and forgive me for this little cheesy corner, I'm okay with that, that it is not a concealed weapon, it is open carry, all right? Anytime, any place, anywhere, you use it. And don't be ashamed of the gospel, because it's the power of God unto salvation. It's your weapon, but you got to know it to use it. I'm going to close with this last point, scripture memory, scripture memory. I don't know where a whole lot of... I can't quote a whole lot of like references to you, but I can, I can quote you a lot of scripture. In fact, that's one thing about my paper Bible. I love my paper Bible. I don't know where some of those things that I just quoted are found in by reference, but I know it's about three quarters of the way down here in the New Testament. It's on the right hand. It's about up on the side. I think it's in yellow, maybe green, but yellow probably right there. That's where it's at. <laughs> but listen, 
You don't need to know all the scripture. You just need to know scripture that what you're going through right now. Man, if you're not feeling good in your body or your kid or your son, then you get a scripture out on healing. And guess what? Then you memorize that and get that down inside of you. And let me say this before I move on. That's what I so love about, it reminds me because of Mark and Deer here. That's what I so love about our children's ministry. They do a Bible memory verse every week. Your kid comes home with what? A weapon to use against the enemy, not just to get gear bucks. And can I tell you, a lot of us in this room, had we as kids had memorized some Bible verses, we'd be a whole lot better today than we are. I thank God for our children's ministry that gets Bible verse. And when your kid brings a Bible verse home, you need to sit down and memorize it yourself. You need to go over it with them. You got your Bible verse? What is it? Come on, let's all learn this together as a family. Let's all do this as a family. Why? Because you're just sharpening the sword. Because you will need it. Because it's a weapon. Hold on. Hold on to the teachings. I know this. God is a good and faithful God, and he has a great plan for your life. I love the Bible. I hope that the series today has inspired you, encouraged you, motivated you to get into the word more and see how that you can let that be a part of your life. Listen, hold on to the teachings. We're gonna move on to another series, but hold on to the teachings of the word of God. Then it will go well with you. Then it will be peaceful. God is a faithful God and he honors his words. He watches over his word to perform it. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.